super super quick i just want to mention some of the stuff in this episode won't make sense unless you watch the youtube version uh that's right i haven't uploaded a video in a long time on my youtube channel but i'm actually going to put a youtube version of this up so you can watch us and listen to us talk about uh uh whatever on this episode so um you know, I just want to point out if, if some of this didn't really make sense or, you know, you're not really quite getting the full grasp of things on the audio version, check out my YouTube version. It might make a little bit more sense. So, uh, and I'm pretty sure my YouTube is, uh, my YouTube channel is Root Horror Podcast. So search that on YouTube and hopefully maybe that'll pop up. But anyways, hope your earbuds enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. You're listening and watching the Rude Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Rude. And today's guests are actors Elsie Holt and Damien Maffei. Welcome, guys. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Doing good. Doing good, my man. Awesome. Good to hear. So you guys are working on a newer movie and it's a New Year's Eve or like New Year's Day slasher type movie. Um, what possessed you guys to want to do a New Year's holiday sort of slasher? Because I think there's only a couple that are ever made. So do you, do you guys happen to uh, want to add to that type of uh, subgenre? Or was it just a spare of the moment type thing? It is a New Year's Eve movie. Yes. Uh, the entire uh, story takes place on New Year's Eve. So, um, I mean, in terms of the holiday setting, uh, Damien really was the one who suggested doing it on New Year's. Uh, I came up with the idea of doing a slasher film set around a scavenger hunt, which is something I had banging around in my head for a long time, just as an interesting idea of doing it. And I don't think there are a multitude of movies that have that as sort of the hook. And so Damien and I had worked on a number of things, developing it, trying to do something together. And uh, Damien was working on this whole other kind of project. And, you know, I mentioned to him the idea of doing a, a scavenger hunt slasher film. And Damien was like, uh, well, could we set it on New Year's Eve? Uh, since Damien is here, he can correct me and will, I'm sure. Uh, if I'm ah. wrong about any of this. Hi, Elsie. Thanks. Uh, yeah, no, you're completely wrong. Uh, no, 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 he's, he's hey. right. Um, yeah, you know, uh, we... I was driving down Congress Street in Portland, Maine on... Uh, it was on New Year's Eve, and it's a very odd, kind of uh, bizarre little city. Uh, it has a lot of personality, and and down Congress Street, which is you know kind of a it's downtown Portland, they have all these these lights that you know 
you know, all the business, you know, they're all out there up and down the street. And they're quite, uh, quite, you know, it's, uh, at night, it's, it's quite a visual. It's really beautiful. And uh, they're holiday lights, you know, so not Christmas, but definitely in the season. Um, and I thought, I was like, wow, this would be like a really cool, nice, like visual for the kind of the beginning of a movie that doesn't end so beautifully. And we were talking about, about doing that. And I came back and, and, and said, you know, I, I'm kind of feeling like this New Year's Eve thing. And what was important to me was that it not be the gimmick. Like the whole reason the movie exists not be that it's New Year's Eve, you know, not be this holiday you know, slash or Arbor Day or, uh, you know, Memorial Day or Halloween. Um, so, but it was, it was kind of a nice, nice thing to in, encase it in. And it fit with this whole kind of uh, the time aspect, the time's up aspect that we were kind of playing with. You know, Father Time is a, is a bit, you know, is a, a you know, a, a, a New Year's Eve kind of uh, iconic imagery, the father time of baby new year. So all that kind of stuff kind of came together. And that's how New Year's Eve, it landed on there. And there, there aren't, you know, there's Terror Train, which is, you know, a good, good uh, New Year's Eve slasher entry. Uh, that's really it for good New Year's Eve uh, entries at all. You know, there's New Year's Evil, which I do have the great shirt of, but that's not so good. It's also not a slasher movie. That's right. Yeah, I mean, and, and that was another thing. Trying to make sure people knew it wasn't a gimmicky. Because, kind of, you know, in the 80s, you went through that after Friday the 13th, after Halloween, you went through that whole slew of films that were all set on some sort of a holiday. Yeah. And it just, it just went on ad nauseum. And at a while, after a while, you get the idea, well, this is obviously just trying to cash in on the idea that Halloween was set on a holiday. And so let's just see how many holidays, go through the calendar and just arbitrarily set our horror film on some holidays. And so we wanted to make it kind of integral to the film, to Time's Up, the film, that it be set on, on New Year's. And something I think that Damien and I both realized was just how few people knew about Father Time and Baby New Year. I mean, we actually had to go through and sort of poll people to see how many people were understood that sort of element of the New Year's mythology. Marcus, were you familiar with the Father Time? Um, yeah, I knew about Father Time, but it's not really something that like I really looked into, per se. It's just kind of one of those things that you just you hear over time of just even like I don't know, I wouldn't say like older people, but I mean it's it's sort of an older uh, sort of thing. I don't know, but uh, that was totally my fault. Sorry. <laughs> but well, no, time's up is going to bring Father Time into uh, the ne next generation's consciousness. That's okay. our goal. Awesome. Yeah, so Father Time awareness is what we're trying to spread. Yeah, that's interesting, um, and, and you know, and it's cool that you're bringing back uh, something that that's been around a while. But you know, like the newer generations probably don't know who Father Time is or what Father I think Time is. The older generations seem to not know who Father Time is, and let, you know, he's um, 
I, I, I bleeped out that I, I kind of uh, lost you there for a moment. So I don't know if you talked about the less celebrated classic um, Rudolph Shiny New Year, uh, which is a sequel to Rudolph the Red Nose, where Rudolph and Father Time go to rescue Baby New Year. That's a real thing. No. No, we did not. We did not. We did not hit on that, David. You didn't when talk about that in the twenty seconds that I was gone. We yeah. we failed to do that, but we have now. <laughs> and trust me, the whole thing about about uh, time. Uh, the whole. I thing got kids too, man. It's all yeah. right. It, yeah, sorry about that. I guys. just heard them out in the hall, so maybe if you're watching this podcast, you can see my face, like, right? You know, just trying to maintain my composure, but I hear them encroaching and ready to invade and i'm like stop them someone stop them so right yeah i, I apologize if you can hear my all. daughter crying in the background you feel better no it, it's fine uh but yeah what i was saying was we this is definitely the people's ignorance of father time is something we address in the movie i mean it's not you know once we found that out it's not something we could ignore so it's definitely uh addressed in in time's up Awesome. And uh, so uh, watching the, the teaser trailer for the Indiegogo campaign, um, Damien has a holiday sweater on. Is that going to kind of touch up on uh, Christmas a little bit and then into New Year's? Or is it just kind of uh, cut the Christmas part out of it entirely? The sweater, um, if uh, we're being completely honest, I was just going through, see now, it, it hasn't happened for a while, but like when you do like serious indie films, like back in the day, you know, it's, it'd be like, we love you for this role, bring a whole bunch of wardrobe options. Like you gotta bring your own wardrobe to these movies. And you know, that's fine. But like, unless my character is wearing like a, a creature from Black Lake shirt, uh, then I never have the clothing for the character I'm playing. Like I, I have clothing, you know, I have options for like horror fan guy. You know, I don't have, you know, uh, like the polo or whatever. I have a few, you know, normal options. And like the snowflake sweater was one of my normal options. And that scene, you know, we were just patching things together using whatever resources we had. So that sweater was like one of the few options I had for that character. Um, so that's how that sweater came to be. Of course, it I, took a life of its own. I do remember that, that our director, Corey Norman, was uh, saying, so Damien, do you have any khaki slacks? No. And I was like, no, barren khaki slacks, no way. <laughs> yeah, Dam Damien is very much, what would you call your, your style, Damien, other than horror guy? T-shirt jeans person? Absolutely. So if the, if the character doesn't wear T-shirt jeans or, or shorts, possibly shorts, you know. Well, you, I do have a pair of shorts. Yes. I have a pair of sweatpants. Yeah. Uh, and then hoodies and hats. Uh, my wife, you know, she's, she's been trying to push me along and kind of help me grow over the years. Uh, it's not taken too well, 
I do have a Russ Thorne pocket T-shirt uh, from Slumber Party Massacre. I think that's kind of nice. Um, like for, you know, maybe a more formal setting. <laughs> you should I go uh, suits. I mean, if you can just skip right to suit, then. Uh, but my character in the movie, you know, it, it's. You got to wear what you got to wear. But also, I mean, you know, he's a gym, you know, he's a physical education teacher uh, or gym teachers, we used to call them. Uh, and a coach. So, you know, like, well, what is he going to wear to a holiday party? He's not going to. He's not going to wear a suit. I love right. the physical education. Too. It's like the George Carlin thing. You know how I used to joke that all the terms for things get longer? Like you're not a gym coach anymore. You're just a physical right. education teacher. I have yeah. to plug this thing in. Sorry. He just vanishes. And then it's like the hologram in Quantum Leap. <laughs> Damien is like Al with Piney at his back. For those of you who don't know, Piney there in Damien's backdrop is the mascot of Pine Falls High School, which is the high school in Time's Up. So it all ties together. Now, what this backdrop is behind me, I have no idea. The fighting pine cones. This doesn't <laughs> tie into anything. This is just something I randomly chose from Skype's list. The, nice. the state flower of Maine, which is where we're filming this movie, is the pine cone. Oh, really? Now, so you what, like pine cones a flower? I don't know. But someone someone asked me on the Indiegogo campaign when they saw the acrylic pens that we're offering, they said, so is Groot in this movie? Like, no, that's not Groot. It's Piney. It's a pine cone. I didn't, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, he's a little Grooty. Maybe, you know, Grooty is kind of a, a pine cone. Maybe, you know, maybe that's it. I right? am Piney. Anyway. Yeah. Or, or you guys could have your own uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy type character in this film, just to kind of throw throw a different twist to the horror genre. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm you know I'm kind of I have a little you know kind of an ego aspect going. Ego, that's no the, shit. <laughs> yeah. And if you can get Kurt, that's Kurt Russell character from people who are only fans of the movie. Yes, from part two. <laughs> yes. Ego, the living planet. Right. <laughs> so you guys sort of mentioned the Indiegogo campaign. Um, so this this film is like a, a crowdfunding type movie. Um, could you tell us about uh, the campaign? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's gone extraordinarily well. We're at the end of the first week at the time of this recording, and we're already more than halfway to the goal. Uh, you know, the, the Indiegogo campaign really, I think it was conceived by Damien and I just as a way of giving people perks and options that you're not going to find on any other Indiegogo. And coming from our background as actors, uh, the films we've done, also some of the other people who are involved in this, Felissa Rose, um, we're announcing a new cast member today. Damien, should we say? Uh, you know, it might, it might be actually be up now. So um, let me yeah. see something here. Well, I mean, Marcus, this is not going to air immediately, right? Right. Um, okay, then delete that. <laughs> the oh. audio version, I'll probably work on it uh, over the weekend. Okay. So, um, well, you know, we can possibly say. might have it up, like, towards the end of the weekend. The well, video, I'm not sure yet. 
We can definitely say that uh, Dave Sheridan has also joined the cast from Scary Movie and a multitude of other things. Felissa, as most Victor of you are. Crowley, Devil's Rejects. That's exactly right. Felissa, um, uh, as uh, everybody knows, Felissa from Sleepaway Camp and a multitude of other things as well, including some of the films Damien just mentioned. Victor Crowley. <laughs> Go through the list again. And uh, so, yeah, so the. So all of us have sort of brought things to the the table with the Indiegogo that are unique. And many times they're one-of-a-kind ex exclusive things. Articles of clothing, for instance. Um, undergarments. There are all kinds of crazy things that we can bring in from our experiences. There are, in fact, undergarments. There are undergarments. There are list an undergarment today, and <laughs> it's it sold within uh, whatever it was. It was like, because I got a post... I gotta post. Uh, if I'm posting one thing, I, I gotta post it eight different places. So it's gotta go on the on the on, on the Indiegogo page, the updates, and then Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Then uh, Damien's gotta share it, and then so by the time I was done with writing the first update on Indiegogo, it had sold, and I was like, should I rewrite what I'm writing? But you know, I didn't. Wow. When I seen you put your uh, sweater up on the Indiegogo campaign, and it's uh, that seemed like it just sold like about thirty five seconds, which holy means it was crap! Cheap. I didn't even give pause to the guy that. Uh, well, you know that guy. Is, is, um, he bought a bunch of stuff, and he bought uh, my man in the mask jacket from uh, strangers. So he's he's like making a, I don't know. A shrine. <laughs> a Damien ah, shrine. I can't imagine a shrine to me. Maybe a shrine. I don't know. Maybe I the sweater might look nice under the jacket. Many people could imagine a shrine to you, my good sir. That, you don't mean that, and that's okay. And I, I've also, I'm glad you mentioned the man in the mask jacket, because that was a pretty much, that was an immediate sell, too. Damien also sold uh, the robes that he wore as the devil in haunt. I mean, there's a lot of, and the pitchfork. Yeah. And so, that, that was, that was great because, you know, like there's a pitchfork involved, like a, a legitimate pitchfork. It's, it's real. Um, so I didn't want to have to deal with the shipping for that internationally. So I listed it as United States only. And then when I woke up that morning, I had seen that someone from Germany had purchased it. So I was like, oh, man, come on. But then I was getting messages, you know, he was saying, I'll pay whatever the shipping is. And, you know, I got a guy who did, I was like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. So he was really enthusiastic about it. So I like, it's worth it to, to get it to him because he's like super pumped about having the pitchfork and the robes. And that's, those are the kind of places I wanted these things to go to. I mean, I'm a big horror movie fan, and I have stuff from other movies, but like the stuff from the movies I'm in, you know, like I don't have them out or up. So if they can go to a nice home, that's great. That's awesome, man. And, uh, that's awesome that you can part with, you know, items from the movies you've been in that, you know, would hold some type of sentimental value. Yeah, I, I totally get it, you know. Having, I, having stuff. 
I so wished that I could uh, have acquired the costume I wore in, in your next. I mean, that would have been great. I tried to, and what I immediately discovered through uh, Mark, uh, Mike Strain, who was the effects guy on that movie, was that immediately after we wrapped time, uh, uh, your next, you know, they put all the stuff, the props and the wardrobe into storage, and someone broke into the storage and stole almost oh. everything. Yeah. So my okay. outfit is out there somewhere. Uh, I wish it was in my closet so I could be offering it up for Time's Ups and the Go-Go campaign. But unfortunately, it's floating around out there somewhere. So Someone's uh, probably worn it, you know, cosplay. Too. They probably have. That I may have gone to a convention and some guy walked up to me wearing my actual wardrobe and just not known it. I mean, it's entirely possible because I do come across lamb masks often when I go to these conventions. Um, but yeah, it kind of sucks, man. I, I would love to have offered that kind of stuff. Uh, Damon was smart, though. Damien just gets all this stuff and runs with it. I should have grabbed it. I got people. Well, you know what the thing is there is that when, like, when I'm on a set, I'm just so pleasant and friendly you know and i just treat everyone with the utmost you know respect knowing that afterwards they'll come through for me so you know and i'm like just give it to me no but really uh yeah no that that was um uh on on strangers and haunt uh my, a good friend of mine was uh line producer executive producer on those movies so and those movies shot in Ohio, Kentucky, and he lives there. So when it came time to cleaning out those storage areas, he went down there with a few people. And, uh, and he was like, oh, Damien's suit, and, you know, this and that. You know, like, um, now, you know, if I do a movie with him, I, I know when that stuff is happening. So I'm like, grab my shit. Send my shit. That's, that's, awesome, one, man. that's one of the things that, that you are blown away by when you do these campaigns and stuff is how much people love screen use stuff. It's pretty yeah. amazing. Uh, I mean, I, I just did a film. I just shot a film in Austin, Texas uh, called Butcher's Bluff. And when I wrapped, like the, the director and everybody grabbed every piece of wardrobe that I had that had blood on it. And we're like, well, if we ever need to do, you know, more fun sort of a campaign, we're going to sell this stuff. And I'm like, really, you want my bloody pants? And he was like, yeah. So he, he got everything that I wore in that movie, you know. Um, Especially if so, it has blood on it. Yeah. It, blood and guts. Yeah. So, That's I mean, like it's pretty. The sweater in the campaign scene. I was like, you know, the guy with the hammer. I was like, bleed this way. You bleed more on here. You got to get some, get some, you know, and rub it up against them. Yeah. Increase in value. Yeah. Right. As I say, it increases the value of when you want to go sell it. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah, it's one of those weird things. Did you ever, you guys ever hear the story about Brent Spiner when they were doing Star Trek, talking about screen use stuff? When the show finally ended, because you know, Star Trek Next Generation went on for like, what, 10 years or something, eight or nine years. And when they were leaving, I guess Brent Spiner was like, well, can I have to the costume department, can I have one of my wardrobes, one of my uniforms? And the guy was like, no, but you can buy one. Uh, and it's like, you know, Spider had been on this show right. for nine years, right? Playing this data character that everybody loved. And here he was asking for one uniform and they were like, property of Paramount, you can buy it from us. You know? Wow. 
Yeah, it's crazy, man. That's, so that's why I say if you could, that's pretty cool. If you could just grab it and run with it, grab it and run with it. That's pretty awesome. Right. Yeah, I need to get my my. Uh, it's probably gone. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't make a move for anything with wrong turn, and it's got to be. It's all gone now. I had a thing I wore that though that was like fifty pounds. So you know, mm. I don't know if I want that. Too heavy. Shipping. Too sharp. Yeah. All right. Got cool. to get the light stuff for shipping. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that movie has to come out first for anyone to care about. It. Yeah, I uh, I haven't really heard much about that one yet. I mean, I know I know that you're in it, but I that's about all I know. It's about all it. <laughs> <laughs> It's got a cool cast. I'm like middle of the pack on that thing. Um, yeah, no, that's another movie that was just kind of is kind of in limbo because of viruses and such. So sure. I, I don't know, you know, like I get 50 messages every day on Instagram from people in Brazil, you know, all over Latin America. And now the Philippines, the Philippines have shown up and they're like, we too care about wrong turn and demand you tell us when the trailer is. So, and that's it. That, I just get, when is uh, wrong turn, you know, Road to Terror 7, please tell me when, you know, the, the, the trailer's coming out. Um, and I, I don't have any information for them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, they're pumped about it. The Wrong Turn franchise is huge over there. And I, we always, you know, while we were making it, always did wonder who was watching these movies. Uh, because it was no one I knew. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I remember I was in this horrible film that was like a, uh, a Wrong Turn, straight Wrong Turn ripoff. It was like if Wrong Turn met Jean-Claude Van Damme and not a good movie of his from like the mid-90s, it would have been this movie that I was in. So, yeah, I mean, if people are, if people are doing horrible uh, sort of knockoffs of it, you know it's pretty popular. The first one, though, right? I mean, not, not, not the other ones. Uh, what are you talking about? Like they're knocking off the first one. Yeah, they were knocking off the first one, basically. Yeah. I mean, some of the other ones, I remember uh, Doug Bradley. I did, I've done a multitude of conventions with Doug, and he was talking about, he did one of those wrong-turn movies, and he was talking about how he got a concussion doing that thing because this actress, he was in a jail cell, and this actress grabbed him and just slammed him up against these bars, and the back of his head bounced off these bars. And... Uh, and you know, Doug is no—he's—he's he's no spring chicken. He's an older guy. He can't be smack, smacking his head up against bars. But so she was not gentle with him. I have not seen that Wrong Turn movie. I think it was actually filmed in Europe. I think some of these were filmed in Europe. These sequels. So that might go to what Damien was saying about how popular they are overseas. Um, it'll be really interesting though to see what's going on with the release of films now. Um, you know, the first really huge one just got released on Friday. Uh, at, you know, I guess the week that we're recording this, and that was Tenet, you know, Chris Nolan's new movie. Mm -hmm. So that'll be a good testing ground, I think, you know, for theatrical releases. Because uh, I think Tenet is being released solely theatrical, not like Bill and Ted, where it was theatrical and digital. Um, which is kind of muddled. You can't really, it's hard to say the gross on that, I guess, because what is the theatrical side and what's the digital side and will the studio release the difference? Uh, I think Tenet is purely theatrical. 
So it'll be really interesting to see uh, how many people turn out. It'll be a first kind of step toward understanding what we're going to do with theatrical films from now on. Right. And sort of like, uh, you know, movie theaters, a lot of them aren't open, but like the drive-ins are sort of making a comeback. Um, So, I mean, you know, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. Which is great. Great for horror by me um that if you know all uh, we've been going to for years um and it's it's great I, I i enjoy that um but only recently have they started putting out like like they showed night of the living dead there uh they, they, they do like these midnight movies now and so uh like they showed pieces last week like what like, where am I? What's happening? I'm like, you know, pieces is you know sleazy trash, but like, I'll go to the drive-in to see that. Uh, you know, and like Phantasm, they had Evil Dead Two, they had uh, you know the Beyond there, and like talking about a drive-in in Maine. Yeah, yeah, that's so amazing. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's been great. It's been great, and they they actually contacted me about um, Haunt in October, so I'm hoping. Hoping that's a thing, but uh, I don't know. That's, that's the thing about you know drive-ins and horror—they go well, so well together. Because when you think of all the old horror films, they were drive-in movies. You know, Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre. I remember my uncle, my uncle telling me that he went to see that at a drive-in back in 1974-75. Yeah. So I think the drive-in is like has a great long-standing marriage to horror films. So it's great for those for fans like us, you know, of that genre. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how other films play. I mean, you don't necessarily think of romantic comedies when you think of going to the drive-in. I think it'll be interesting also to see if we do more drive-ins. I do not have a drive-in near me, sadly. But if, if that becomes more of a thing, well, how do you adapt it so that the new generation is as into it? Because they're used to going into nice, plush theaters with leather seats that recline and air conditioning. I mean, you're going to have to kind of change up what a drive-in is if it's going to be a big thing. So far as I can see, uh, you know, it's not like this is a generation used to that sort of thing. And the novelty might wear off once you start, you're in your car and you start getting hot and the windows fog up, you know, because of whatever you're doing in there. You know, but it's not going to necessarily yeah, be no. as well, comfortable. The, the drive-in, you know, that that we go to now. I mean, up until this year, it was always double features, and the last double feature I think we went to see there was Aladdin and Endgame. You know, so it's like seven hours at the drive-in. Um, but you know, like you, you, you know, you set up a, a whole. A whole thing you know you put chairs outside you sit out there you know you get all your food and snacks so like we and, and usually most of the people don't sit in the car until um the second movie when it gets a little chillier or when you're thinking maybe i don't want to see this i could drive off at any second but uh, how how is the sound though i mean it's obviously not going to be stereo surround like superphonic shit, right? I mean, comes out of the car, so you okay. change the radio station. So you you better have a good sound system in your car if you want to get. Or I mean, you know, any radio. You you know, you can bring a radio and put it down there. Boombox. 
Um, yeah, they it's like a short wave radio type thing to where it'll it'll post whatever channel you need to tune into. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, you you know tune it in on your radio in your car or like a boombox or you know whatever. The first show, like you know, we have uh, you know we we turn with the car. The back of the car is facing the screen. We pop open the back, and you know. Some people sit in the, the trunk because, you know, it's one of those hatchback deals. So, uh, you know, you're sitting there and the speakers are shooting out and, you know, we got chairs set up. Well, I'll, I'll give you kind of my prediction about this theatrical thing, and I could be totally wrong. And it's, we've kind of been moving in that direction anyway, but I have a feeling that theatrical film watching is going to be exclusive now to huge movies. I don't think you're going to get a lot of smaller movies in the theater for a while. I think something like Tenet, something like Avengers Endgame, it has to be an event that makes people want to go and see it, you know, with great sound on a huge screen and, you know, get their seats rocking, like literally vibrating in your seat. It has to be an event, I think, really to draw people out of their houses now. And with COVID and the pandemic and everything, I think all the more that's going to increase, which I, you know, I'm a little bit saddened by because, frankly, I love seeing movies in the theater. Yeah. All kinds of movies in the theater. And I think if you can't lose that experience because there's no way to capture, unless you have money and a great home theater, there's no way you're going to enjoy Avengers Endgame at home the way you would in a huge IMAX theater or even just a huge, you know, um, you know, a three-story screen. Like I have a place near me that has a huge screen. You know, you go in there. It's not quite IMAX. It's like IMAX Mini, you know. But, uh, but it's fantastic. I went to see the first movie I saw in there was Interstellar. And I was sitting there watching this going, how do I ever watch this at home? Mm-hmm. Like, this is such an experience to, to visually. Every part of this is, like, made for this screen. And, you know, for a while there, and that, that's going to that's gonna take, uh, you know, a good amount of time for, like, the general movie-going or, you know, general public is that, like, theatrical re- release was the, the high, you know, bar you set there. You know, that was the, the realist movies. Was you know? Did it open in theaters? Did it play in theaters? Like then, you know, like that's a real movie. And then, then it, I even we were talking about props. The my wardrobe from Strangers and Haunt. Uh, you know, I was I was getting some. You know, um, had my advisors, and the one who I you know had to just fucking fire. Uh, he was talking about you know the Strangers stuff versus the Haunt stuff. And I was like, well, I mean, you know, you get the pitchfork and the whole robe thing. And he said, yeah, but, you know, The Strangers is, is like, it's a real movie. And I said, what the hell is that supposed to mean? And he's like, I mean, it was in theaters, man. I saw it in theaters with the packed crowd. It was like, it was everywhere for a while. You know, huh? I, I, I mean, uh, I was like, oh, so, like, because The Strangers came out in theaters, even though it was crucified when it came out. And Haunt kind of, like, drunkenly stumbled onto video, you know, shutter and stuff because of, uh, you know, politics and whatnot, like that kind of, you know, movie politics. And even though Haunt has been, you know, more warmly embraced because of its release, 
this person considered Strangers a real movie because it opened in yeah. theaters. I thought that was interesting. That not enough to keep talking to him, but... Uh, and you were like, you're fired. Get yeah. out of here. I was like, that's, you know, get the fuck out of here. But, uh, yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting. See, Damien and I had similar experiences. I think he with Haunt and me with your next, because we lived through this whole thing of like movie politics, delaying and delaying and delaying the release of a film. Yeah. Um, I mean, with, with my case in your next, you know, we shot that, and I don't know when it was, 2011 or something. <laughs> it was early aughts, and you know it sat on a shelf for three years it was it was picked up by Lionsgate and then promptly Lionsgate bought the company Summit which was putting out all the Twilight movies and stuff like that so suddenly Lionsgate had all the Summit's movies to release so the schedule just got filled with shit and good shit you know but shit nonetheless and so your next fell into that and it had to await a slot for release, and they kept telling us, well, we want to push this theatrically. We don't want to do direct to BOD or video or whatever. We're going to do it like worldwide. And then it went back and forth, and it was always, well, maybe it is going to go VOD, talking about your next. Or, okay, well, no, wait, it's going theatrical. And for over three years, you know, as all this stuff was getting shuffled out, we were like, well, we have no idea what's going to happen with your next. And then eventually, you know, your next was released theatrically worldwide as everyone wanted it to be. Um, of course, <laughs> the problem was they had already made, you know, shot, written, shot, produced, and released a movie called The Purge, which came out a couple months before your next and sort of stole the thunder a bit. You know, I mean, uh, I think had we not been pushed back as much as we were, we would have come out long before The Purge because we were. Our film was finished long before The Purge ever shot. Um, so, I mean, that's the kind of movie politics that go into determining the success or failure of a movie. Obviously, Your Next was successful for its budget, certainly. It was, it was a successful movie. But, you know, re being released a couple months late because of a merger or something like that can make a big difference. But The, pur the Purge did well financially, right? I mean, it wasn't reviewed well, I don't think. The Purge? Yeah. No, The Purge did gangbusters financially. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, sometimes that helps, uh, you know, a thing. You know, like, you know, how, like, when, when, the, when, um, when the Fizz facility, the, the company that put out um, The Strangers and, uh, and this Wrong Turn thing coming up, you know, they do a bunch of movies. Um, then when they found out The Meg was coming out, they fast-tracked the 47 Meters Down sequel. Because mm -hmm. they were talking about doing The Strangers sequel and a bunch of other stuff, but then it was like, it's going to be Shark Summer, so we got to get the Shark movie out. And I'm like, Meg, nobody, that's going to be shit. Nobody's going to like that. Like, it's yeah. going to be nonsense. I read the book. They're like, you know, it's going to make money. We got to get more sharks out there. So, you know. And, and when you deal with something like sharks, it's not like there's an in intellectual property thing going right. on there or asteroids or whatever. You can, anybody can make a movie about a shark. I mean, the thing about The Purge, I think the only thing that might have affected your next uh, in so much as The Purge getting released a few months before is I think people saw the advertising campaign for The Purge and everyone's wearing masks 
and attacking people in their house. And then they saw you're next and they're like, oh, people are wearing masks. They're attacking. Them. Oh, so this is a ripoff of the purge. Right. And you just go, motherfucker, listen, we were done way before the purge. OK, the purge was a ripoff of us. But like I say, I mean, it all worked out fine and so much. As, and then this movie Strangers Pray at Night comes about and they're ripping off us. <laughs> Using the classic music and the guy don't, in the mask. Even, don't even joke because I remember the Pray at Night campaign coming out and I remember the comments being like, what is this, the purge? And I'm like, so the purge screwed both of us. And oh then what's ironic about that is people didn't know The Strangers Pray at Night was a sequel. It was like, right. it's, been, it's been many years, guys, but I remember seeing The First Strangers. That's I mean, that, that the, distrib the, the distributor, Aberon Pictures, you know, they sat us all down and talked to us. They said, uh, do not refer to this as a sequel. It's a, a reboot if you have to describe it. Um, you know, don't talk about the first movie. Not because, like, they were ashamed of it. But it was like they were trying to figure out how to how to position it because it, like it had been ten years and you know the little babies you know are ten years older and you know like they 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 wanted to stand on its own like the strangers fans of the strangers will know you know but like if they don't know about that you know like just just give them this so it's like this whole like attempt to position but. Like I remember Johannes and the producer always referred to it as the Strangers Two. Yeah. So it didn't even, like it didn't even matter. Well that's the the odd thing about like the nomenclature of Hollywood. If you notice things coming out like Transformers, colon, subtitle, they're really yeah. into those subtitles because they don't like numbers. Right. Because once you get to a certain number, they feel the marketing people feel that it's a hindrance to the movie. Right. So if you notice, it's like Strangers Two. They're like, no, we can't put a two on it. We'll put a subtitle, but we ain't two in yeah. it, you know. And it's just weird when you get into all these little, uh, you know, nitpicky things that are are quite important, you know, in their opinion. And I mean, maybe they are. Maybe they know better. I don't know. But um, but yeah, it is. It's interesting that like Scream Five, they're going to call it Scream Five. I'm surprised. I'm sure somebody somewhere is screaming about that number. They're like five. We can't call it that. We need a subtitle. But Scream apparently, franchise that that can pull that off. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm well, happy about that. Well, and they've been rolling with it. I mean, they haven't changed any of the other titles. You know, it's always been Scream, Scream Two, Three, Four. So, I mean, why change it if, you know, they've ran with it for so Very long? Very original. And if, you, and if you notice, if you notice, you know, there are no other films that have those numbers. Like Scream, I mean, think of anything else. Like, um, you know, what was that movie? Paranormal Activity, you know? They started yeah. dropping numbers on those. You know, the, the new Saw, after a while, they were like, do we have to put a number at the end of this? You know, like the new one is right. called A Totally Different Spiral or whatever, you know? So, that's why it's wrong turn the foundation. That's right. Yeah, because wrong turn is up to what, like six or seven. This this would be seven. Um, I like I, I don't you know this this is this is another movie that it's a reboot, which is their way of you know it's like a long dormant franchise that's flown off the rails, so they're kind of rebooting it. But I mean, like this movie is so different than. Than all the others, uh, it's it, well, you know, you couldn't call it seven. 
it's one of those things. I mean, it's like Halloween. You know, you just start over when you do the 2018 yeah. one, and then with the new ones, we're not worried about numbers. We'll just put words at the end. Halloween, Halloween kills. I, you know, I, I went to the pitch meeting for Strangers Three for the sequel, and I just walked into the room, and there was a chalkboard, and I just wrote the stranger, and then I put lines through the S and made it a dollar sign, and I walked out. Boom. Boom. That's it. And then they, they never did call me, but uh, the that's the ultimate DMAF mic drop. Yeah. Stranger. <laughs> Cha-ching. And then I walked out. And unlike James Cameron, they did not they did not call me back. Like on the back of your on the back of your t-shirt, it just says call me. Boom. Digits. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, hey guys. Um one one thing just to kind of steer the conversation as uh, as we get towards the end. Um, yes, we totally I, de derailed this, Marcus. I'm so sorry. We just <laughs> no, started going into like our Hollywood bullshit problems. What were we supposed to talk about? Time's up. Time's up. Um, well, time is almost up for us. But um, we'll. <laughs> I mean, I, I would love to have you guys back on uh, if if you guys just want to talk about horror stuff, you know, in general. But um, one thing I do like to ask all my guests is, uh, what is your favorite Universal monster or Universal monster film? Great, I love it. The Invisible Man. Fuck, you stole mine. Stole <laughs> mine. I'm an Invisible Man junkie. I, I collect Invisible Man things, and I visit Claude Rains uh, at least once a year in his uh, final resting place. Um, it can be yours as well, LC. You know, I mean, if, if, we have, if we have to be honest, it would be The Invisible Man. I did just watch God, Gods and Monsters last night for the upteenth time, the James Whale biopic. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it did remind me of how good Bride of Frankenstein was. Uh, I enjoy that movie very much. But, I, I mean, honestly, The Invisible Man is my favorite as well. Awesome, yeah, I'm man. In the Black Lagoon, but I, I, you know, Invisible Man's always, always been in my, uh, my thing. And H.G. Wells, I'm a big H.G. Wells fan, so yeah, for sure. Yes, I know he didn't really like the the movie, but just see that. I mean, H.G. Wells, man, uh, uh, The Island of Doctor Moreau. Yeah. It's a great. That's a great book. I brilliant, mean, the brilliant author. The movies have been. Hit or miss, mostly miss, but the book, man, Island Dr. Moreau is fantastic. Yeah. Right on. Well, um, is there anything else that you would like to to add as far as uh Time's Up goes? Oh yeah, Time's Up. Uh I don't know. Go yeah. check out the Indiegogo campaign. Okay. Yeah, I mean the Unless the first it's airs after it, then you know pine for your loss uh, right i'm sure it'll be right <laughs> no uh, i think it'll still be right. anyway then check out the movie when it comes out go to the times up facebook page or the twitter or the instagram or you know find us find all those things and uh you know follow them and you know we'll follow you back we're that kind of uh kind of operation and you know keep up to date and if you are on here and the indiegogo campaign is running you know, go in there and check it out. There's, there's some really, you know, there's like cheap stuff on there that isn't cheap, you know, in value. You know, there are like cool stickers, you know, one of Groot and one of the poster. And, uh, 
And then, you know, there's like an on-screen credit for like $25. We just kind of wanted to make it that, that yeah. kind of thing. Where it's avail there are things available for everyone. Or just um, you know, spread the word, uh, you know, because we know it's rough out there, really rough. Which is huge, you know, if, if just share and share away. I mean, and we have great perks. I mean, you can actually add it today, which, you know, will be Friday when we're recording this. But whenever you see it, it will have been on there several days. You can have a walk-on role in the film with a line. I mean, you wow. know, we're offering things that, you know, props. And there's more stuff coming. I mean, you know, there we've already... Huge stars. Like, you're in Hollywood. Welcome. Yes. You'll be okay. right there with us. And not only do you get like what you included with the perks, but like we're there. So if you want us to sign things, we're not going to refuse you. You know, I mean, we're, we're right there with you. You're going to be on the set with us. It's a big deal. I mean, and not just me and Damien, but, you know, uh, like I say, in various scenes, Felissa will be around, Dave Sheridan, uh, David E. McMahon, who's made quite a mark with uh, many of the movies in the horror genre that he's doing. Teacher Shortage is a new movie that he did. Kamara Cole, who is a fantastic actress. Slew of young actors who are, you know, making their debut in this. We should also mention that the music for this film is going to be composed by Alexander Taylor, who did the music for the great Shutter documentary uh, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, the Mark Patton story. Uh, amongst many other things, he's doing uh, Western right now with uh, Lance Henry. Should have done this whole thing at the beginning. Well, you're <laughs> getting it. They run off 50 minutes later. Where yeah, the hell well, is this? We're talking about all this stuff about numbers coming after movies, and people are like, "What are you like, guys?" Oh, doing? Uh, you know, I don't want to sit in the theater driving like that stuff. Like everyone's gone. It's yeah. hot out here. It's hot out in this. <laughs> But, uh, maybe, but maybe yeah. I'll make a disclaimer to be like, well, if you want to hear about the about go times up, the, go yeah. towards the end of the episode. Well, and it's so. like a trigger. <laughs> it's like a trigger thing, you know. We can give something away. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. If you stay to the end, now we're committing ourselves to something, Damien. You might have to cut that part out, Marcus. It's the problem with when, when you get like horror fans or like fans of of the subject you know on your shows like that's all i want to talk about is like other oh, horror movies and like that type of stuff so right on right yeah. on. yeah well uh you know i'll say uh i helped contribute towards the movie and i i really want to see this movie get made and i i hope you guys have great success in this film and and in the future thank you you're the man so um as I wrap this up, I will put the link to the Times Up Indiegogo campaign in the in the description of this episode and all my social media. Check it out, guys. I encourage you guys to to you know if you love horror movies and you want to see more great horror movies, help contribute yourselves and and feel like you're a part of this horror community. Um, I I just think it's a great thing myself. So uh, I just want to say thank awesome. you guys for coming on the show. Um, I, I truly appreciate you guys coming on. This was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, guys. This, <laughs> this is my pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. And be kind. Oh, you can't read that. It's not even behind. It's... Never mind. <laughs> be kind. Go pine cones. Well, that about wraps up another episode of the Rude Horror Podcast. Hope you guys dug the content. And I just want to thank again 
Damian Mafe and LC Holtz for coming on the show. Um, I had an awesome time, and uh, I wish we could have talked more, but uh, on my end, I was limited on time, so sorry about that. Um, maybe, just maybe, uh, in the future, uh, like like to have those guys back on if possible. But um, anyways, like like we've talked about in the episode, check out their Indiegogo campaign for Times Up. It looks like it's going to be a great slasher film and uh definitely one to add into the new year's eve slasher subgenre possibly i'll put a question mark there because who knows you know but uh father time's gonna be in it should be an interesting uh take on uh the folklore of him and and whatnot and uh who knows i mean i could be totally wrong um on some of that stuff but <laughs> nonetheless it really sounds like a promising slasher so if you are interested i have the link in my social media in like the post of this episode and uh in the link of this episode's description check it out guys um they're a little bit i think a little bit over halfway uh to their goal right now so it's incredible um and uh there's tons of perks that uh for all so definitely check it out like i said i've contributed already and uh you know let's let's bring this thing to life so uh just want to mention um a couple movies that lc holt has been in is uh, a terrific movie called your next it's a uh 2011 home invasion type movie it's really good and uh if you guys haven't seen it i strongly encourage you guys to check that one out and he's also in vhs2 which is another good one i think those are on video on demand i don't know if they're on tubi or anything but uh definitely uh they are definitely worth checking out that's for sure and then also damien he's been in some stuff like uh the strangers pray at night Uh, that's another great movie uh, check it out and then also haunt which is a shutter exclusive you can watch on shutter if you have shutter haunt is amazing as well so terrific guys uh <laughs> i know i'm talking in circles but i i just can't say it off these guys are awesome and uh support them in their films man i mean that's 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 what i'm trying to get across here so uh want to say check out midwest monster fest they are a horror and pop culture convention in the midwest they will be at um the rust belt in east moline illinois next year september 3rd 4th and 5th there's gonna be tons of guests uh cj graham from uh, the friday the 13th franchise as well as tom matthews and linnea quigley those are some big names so uh definitely worth checking out guys you can check it out at midwestmonsterfest.com for more info and also there's a couple guys that uh co-starred with damien in haunt they will be there cheney morrow and justin markson are scheduled to be there next year so uh get your haunt uh merchandise ready and uh 
and uh look forward to next year at midwest monster fest it should be a good time i know i'll be there um want to say uh if you're ever in the quad cities check out wake brewing they are a brewery in rock island illinois they serve terrific craft beer made right there at the brewery and uh just want to say drink responsibly uh i know i promote them a lot but i don't really ever say drink responsibly you know always have a dd or uh call up uh, or call up an uber i mean just be safe about it guys but uh they are a terrific uh brewery to check out they got merchandise like i said craft beer you can get cans to go if you don't even want to drink there just grab some cans there and then go home and drink i mean that's that's what i do a lot of times so it's definitely a cool place to check out. Also want to say check out paulbearpress.com. They are a horror clothing company that's fucking awesome. I get shit from them all the time and they they never cease to impress me. They're always coming out with stuff that's fucking sick. So I encourage you guys to check them out as well. And uh <laughs> I didn't get a chance to uh, say something to Damien on the show, so uh, if he's listening, uh, Matt from the Funbox Monster Podcast said hi, and uh, I totally, uh, I'm sorry Matt, I totally slipped that, but uh, check out Funbox Monster Podcast, they are an awesome uh, podcast as well, and uh they, they put on some great episodes as well. I think Damien has been on the show a couple times as well. So uh, he's good friends with them. So check them out. They're they're awesome. Uh, you can find them on any podcasting platform, listening platform, or whatever. Uh, just type in Funbox Monster Podcast. Look them up. Awesome guys. Um, and that's, that's about it for me. Uh, you can find me at rude horror podcast on instagram facebook and then on twitter rude horror pod you can email me at rude horror at gmail.com if if you want to throw me an email about something i don't know anything i guess but uh that's always an option um possibly the next episode um is going to be a canadian exorcist ripoff sort of ripoff uh, i guess um called kathy's curse uh it's been in my uh, watch list for the longest time so i think i'm just gonna watch it and talk about it on the next episode so that's it for me guys i hope you guys enjoyed the evil dead uh, intro in this episode check out his youtube as well i have it in the links below um yeah guys stay tuned for the next one listening to the Rude Horror Podcast. If you like this content and would like to hear future episodes, please follow or subscribe if you dare.